Welcome, ladies, germs, and people of all genders to the Ah uh, Real Films podcast, a podcast where two siblings discuss horror films based on a theme. This week, I am your host, The 20 Tays, and my co-host is Curtis Claus. Applause. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> and this is not our Christmas are... episode. I don't know why I came up with that it's... name, but it's Christmas well, it's, to me. It's... Yeah, it'll be Christmas in three days. A little nice. peek behind the curtain there for our listeners. Nice. Um, and this week, we are doing our top 10 of the 2010s. Um, and we know just last week, we brought you our top 10 mm-hmm. of 2019. The people love a list episode. And we, we see give the number, folks. the people what they we want. See we the see the numbers. numbers. Okay. There's <laughs> no surprise to us which ones you guys seek out, uh, especially new listeners. So uh, we're just giving you the content that you want. Oh, the sweet, sweet 10. Um, and so... <laughs> Today, we will be counting down our top 10 films of the 2010s, and that it is as simple as that. And so, <laughs> normally at the <laughs> Taylor, top- Taylor, give us a huge introduction <laughs> on that, please. Um, so, for our new, if any new listeners out there, normally at the top of our themed episodes, we will do a, about 10 to 15 minutes um, backstory on that topic. But for our list episodes, we awkwardly stumble in um, through our intro material. We sweat a lot. <laughs> Uh, we feel very, we feel like deeply, deeply insecure for about five minutes, we and then we kind of just we get take started. about, I would say, a good month to come up with these lists, and then totally forget we have to say other things <laughs> other than what's on our list, and we totally panic. But I actually, Taylor, um, I actually did come up with a question I wanted to ask you prior to getting our oh, list. Did you as well? That's awesome because I have a question I want to um, ask you. It's actually a twofer, but um, so before we get into those questions, well, sure. uh, Curtis. Why don't you tell the listeners what you're drinking sure, today? Sure, sure. As I indicated with my stupid name that I came up with today, I, it is Christmas time. It's Christmas. I have one more day of work tomorrow, then I have nine, count them, nine straight days off. I cannot wait. My movie backlog is so huge, um, and I'm really looking forward to catching up on some movies, video games, because normally I don't have too much time other than stuff for the podcast. So... Um, in the spirit of Christmas, uh, I don't know why I went on that long tangent. I'm just very happy. You were like, having days please, off. folks, I am so <laughs> desperate. <laughs> I am very tired. I actually got a full eight hours last night, so I'm feeling great. Um, I am drinking Celebration Fresh Hop IPA by Sierra Nevada. Taylor, I'm not sure if you are familiar with this one. Where's my microphone? I can't. You're holding. Yeah. Okay. There it um, is. I think not. I mean, this is an audio medium. Um, Curtis is holding up to the camera. Sierra Nevada Celebration Fresh Hop IPA. I just um, said that. Yes, correct. <laughs> that is what I just said. Um, so anyway, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this beer. But I'm not. I don't know why I really dragged well, that my, out. Well, uh, <laughs> so usually uh, Christmas time beers are like white ales or German style. I think, I believe you had one uh, the last time we recorded. My... Actually, though, I, I'm more of a fan of hoppier beers as I am a white male. So, of course, I'm a mm-hmm. more of a fan of hoppier beers. That's just how we are mm-hmm. designed uh, and created yeah. by society. And this uh, celebration beer, they put this out every year. It usually tastes slightly different. The hop combinations, I think, get a little bit different every year. But the purpose of it is kind of to taste like a Christmas tree smells. And I think this year's batch, this is actually the second time, six-pack I've gotten of it been drinking a lot lately as i finish up my work before my nine days off but um yeah this combination is just really good i mean 
you know, in the best way possible, it tastes like a Christmas tree smells. It doesn't taste too bitter. It tastes really fresh. Just really like it. It's a great beer. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, That sounds super festive. I um, have started my nine days off. I'm sorry. Yes, my nine days off. Um, Yesterday was my first day of my vacation. I'm feeling free as a bird. I cleaned my whole house in like kind of an anxiety spiral, but now I've like, I've stabilized. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like now you panic that first day off. You're like, I have so much to do. And then you just like collapse after that. And you're like, wait a second. I can relax now. Yeah. And then I, uh, I impulse bought, (laughs) um, the Harry Potter series on DVD. Um, and last night I watched Sorcerer's Stone and that's when I really felt like my vacation had started. I'm glad we both have good tangents to start off this part where we're supposed to be describing our drinks. (laughs) All that to say, um i'm normally on this podcast a wine drinker i feel Mm -hmm. like i bring the wine edge i actually got a very nice um cabernet sauvignon which i enjoyed during Mm. harry potter last night but i wanted to switch it up a cab sap that's my favorite style of wine um but i wanted to switch it up during tonight's record and i'm actually drinking a delicious rum and coke captain morgan you have never let me down captain morgan Um, i'd ride on your ship anytime (laughs) Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good. Uh, can't complain. So All right, again, I, Taylor, this is an audio medium. So you showing off drinking your drink to me I, is not. So again, so again, last week I did the ASMR sipping into the mic and you ruined it. And now this week All right. I did the ASMR me, sipping into the mic and you let ruined me, it. Let me try this. Let me try this. It's oh, delicious. <laughs> that, that just sounds... that my sound my audio just when... spiked so hard on that. Do you know like um in the movies like when like in a horror movie when someone gets like their head cut off and then the <laughs> yeah. the blood gurgles up from their neck? Yes. That's kind of what that sounded oh, like. Oh good, good. I could be a sound effects artist then. <laughs> anyway, um so yeah, before we dive into our top 10, uh I have a question to ask you. You have a question to ask me. And then I kind of just want to talk just generally about how we each maybe formed our top 10 lists. And then we can just jump right in. Not too much fanfare. But why don't you go ahead? You can ask your question. Sure. So my question is more of what you would call a leading question in the uh, legal profession. Um, Was, to me, 2010s were the best year for, uh, best decade for horror ever. Was it the case for you? I mean, I know... The 70s, probably for me, has like a... And actually, I looked at my top 100 of all time recently, and the 70s have the most entries on there, uh, even more than 2010s, but the 2010s are very, very close. But I think overall, I would still give it to 2010s. But how do you feel about this decade as a whole? I mean, it was Hmm. undoubtedly very strong, um, Mm -hmm. but do you think it was the strongest ever? Here's uh, where I think our um, horror podcast has an edge on other horror podcasts, and that's that I'm very ignorant, and I haven't mm. seen a ton of horror movies. Mm. That's a um, good edge com- to have. <laughs> compared, to other, compared to other horror <laughs> podcasts, because as you were saying that, I was thinking of like HMP and even like Dead Meat, and I feel like they talk a lot about like 80s horror movies, and I, I feel like in the horror fandom in general, the 80s is seen as like the height of horror. I mean, a lot of our classic series... Uh, really had like their their biggest runs and, well, in the eighties. Most horror podcast and, um, hosts were grew up in the eighties. Um, yeah, you know we grew most up in the nineties, in- which was a kind of a weaker time for horrors. But I think a lot of horror podcast hosts grew up in the eighties. Yeah, but also like that. I feel like to people who are less familiar with horror, when they think of horror movies, they think of slashers, which oh, is sure. like all from the eighties for sure. Um, 
on the other hand, I first started getting into horror when I was it, like in late high school and in undergrad, and that was the 2010s. So I naturally was watching movies that came out during the 2010s. So my most of my experiences in the 2010s horror movies, I would say probably half of all of the horror movies I've ever seen were from the 2000s and the 2010s. So it's really it's hard for me to compare. Me too, as well, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard for me to compare to other decades. I, I don't have a top 100 of all time. I feel like I need to watch a few more movies for that to be any sort of like definitive list. I also enjoy films um, from the 70s. Um, I like that kind of the gritty like uh, style of films uh, that were popular during that decade. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, yeah, I would definitely say that the 2010s were a really strong decade for horror. I think it's, I think it's the decade where horror became more accepted as like being able to be artsy and like yeah. not just well, I was going to say, I think the phrase that comes to mind, I think it's where horror really started to spread its wings a little bit. And I know a lot of more traditional horror fans don't like that aspect. Um, they want horror to be horror. They just want horror to be scary. And I respect that, actually. You know, I, I'm, you know, I think entertainment for entertainment's sake is just fine. You know, horror, you know, films in general don't have to make a point. Like, you can enjoy, I love Star Wars, for example. And that, you know, has some of the more traditional traditional fantasy tropes. But it doesn't, like, it's entertainment, first and foremost. However, I think horror, like you said, became more of an accepted artistic medium in this decade, which I like because I like socially conscious movies and I like when, you know, movies have a perspective and a point to make. I also like when horror movies are scary, too. And I thought a lot of horror movies were scary as well this decade. I mean, I don't know about you, but I find it pretty hard to be scared by older movies because they're a lot tamer. I mean, just frankly, just a lot tamer uh, with a few exceptions. Mm -hmm. And, you know... To the 2010s brought that as well. Like they were able to scare us in ways that actually scare us in you know in in this new decade in this new millennium. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I was um I was scanning the internet um for titles 2010 titles to make sure I hadn't forgotten any films as I was making my list because I I did forget a film on my top 10 of 2019 mm-hmm. list as I let you know. Um and I was like determined not to let that happen again. And I ended up on Reddit, which um you know love hate relationship mm-hmm. there and people what's what you know what are your favorite uh horror movies of the decade someone had kind of asked that question and people were putting their lists and then other people were commenting what <laughs> well none of these are scary so i don't know how you can call it a horror film so i mean I, I see yeah like they, people were saying people I think, are so edgy yeah uh i i want to say someone had on their list um for some reason, the film I'm remembering is The Guest. I don't know if you ever saw I The Guest. I did not. I really want to. Okay. I really want to. Yeah. It is not super duper scary. It's very chilling mm-hmm. and like creepy, but not scary. But again, like people have such a narrow definition of horror. Um, and I think it's because they have this um, idea of horror as it developed like in the 70s and 80s. Yes. Um, and that's like a lot of monsters and it's a lot of gore and and all this kind of stuff. I actually think that we have an advantage from be for from being big fans of like 2010s horror films because I think you and I have like a wider we have a wider perception of like what a horror film can be. Yeah, um, and I not agree. to and again not to say if if your definition of horror is a movie that is scary and if it's not scary it's not a horror movie. That's fine. I disagree with you, but you're wrong, and please stop listening. But like, no, I'm just <laughs> no. Kidding. Like, I think that's totally. I fine. see that. I see that. That's yeah. totally fine I, because like I, yeah. You know, horror is escapism 
in its purest form, I think. Like you are exposing yourself to something that you don't want to expose yourself in real life. And that to me, like is kind of like the bedrock of horror. And to someone, if they're not getting the what what they consider to be the bedrock of, you know, why they're watching these films, I, I understand that. I mean, to me, it has to have scary situations and things that are scary to the characters while not necessarily scaring me. I think that's fine. But some people think yeah. it needs to scare me for me to like enjoy this on, you know, on a personal level. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. And the 2010s were a mixed bag in that sense. But I look at the flip side, like I said, it was when horror kind of just expanded, spread its wings and became something greater than what it was before. And that's why I, yeah. coming back to my original question, that's why I think it's the best decade for horror um, that we've ever yeah. had. So, Yeah. Well, my question um, is uh, thankfully not the same as your question. I thought maybe you would also mm-hmm. have this question, but I guess what is your most favorite and least favorite trends that you saw um, during in 2010. So this is going to be controversial. My, my, (laughs) maybe it might be controversial. Maybe not to our listeners. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Mine might be a little controversial. controversial. That's a guy who loves Die Hard. (laughs) No, um, my, this might be a little controversial because I know it's, especially with the horror fans I was just talking about where it's like, I need to be scared for me to enjoy it. But the and I know this is not a term that horror fans like. I personally don't like it because it. I think let me just get to it. I like the development of elevated horror, and I hate that term. But I don't know how else to describe like the more artistic films that are being made in the horror genre. Um, and I'll get to some of them when I get to my list. That is my favorite trend. Um, I really enjoy um, new perspectives um, from female people of color directors. I enjoy more um, artistic expressions that we haven't seen in the horror genre before. Um, I just really like that whole movement. Elevated, I think they should be called like art house horror or art horror, whatever you, you know, just more artistic than, you know, like say your Friday the 13th. Um, the problem comes when I think the flip side of that in, in is what is my least favorite trend is horror fans not being able to kind of like just... I don't know how to better explain this, but like what you're describing, like with the Reddit and stuff, the edgier horror fans, like we, there's two extremes. There's the person that is like, unless there's buckets of blood and guts, I hate this film. Or there's the flip side. And unless this is the witch, I hate it. I think we as human beings and with our developed brains have the ability to compare a film like Friday the 13th and a film like the witch. I can say I like Friday the, well, I only give nightmare on Elm street. Nightmare on Elm Street is a little bit more intelligent than Friday the 13th, I think. But I have the ability to say Friday the 13th is better than The Witch, but also say they're both great films and compare the pros and cons of each as compared to each other. You know, you don't have to be a fan. I I don't like this kind of um, gatekeeping aspect of horror that's developed on internet. You talk about your Facebook group all the time. It just (laughs) brings me so much rage and annoyance when i see this these gatekeeping aspects like whatever part if you just like torture porn that is fine to me because i understand this is an artistic expression and people get different things out of different types of horror and different types of expression if you are a fan of just the saw movies because you like to expose yourself to that for whatever reason that's fine if you are a fan of just like the witch in the lighthouse that's also fine but you know 
we need to understand like as a horror community that is okay to like different kinds of horror and respect other people's opinions like no matter what they like um this is also a problem i'm going to go back to star wars this is also a problem in the star wars community um and this type of stuff that this type of attitude that has developed because of reddit because of the internet uh is maybe unavoidable but that is like by far my least favorite trend that has developed in horror yeah i mean i would say my favorite thing, my favorite trend of the 2010s is kind of similar to what you were saying, and that's the new, fresh voices who mm-hmm. have been able to have like a platform because of streaming services and because of the internet. People are able to make movies and people are able to see movies that would not have been made before. I'm thinking like specifically, obviously, movies like Get Out by Jordan Peele um, were like hugely successful, and that was very. That was very pointedly a movie by a black man, like about race. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love that, you know, uh, female directors. We saw a lot of great movies by female directors, but I'm even thinking about movies like Cam, you know, Mm -hmm. which came out in in 2018, like a movie about a sex worker that was like on the sex worker side. You know, I love um, I just really like the opening to whoever is interested in horror like now is making horror movies. And I just think that. You know, our whole experience is enriched because we just have a lot of different voices making different kinds of movies. Like, and again, not to say that because movies were less diverse in like the 80s and 90s, like they weren't good. But I just think obviously the more people um, who that's open to, the better. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, actually, my I was going to say something slightly different, but um, I think because we've had so many good movies in the 2010s and because there are so many ways to express your opinion online, um, I think that we've even become kind of like hypercritical. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking of the fact like if you could make a film, like I'm trying to think of a movie that I was like just kind of lukewarm on um, from the 2010s. Like, gosh, I, I want to think of something. Yeah, Let's like the Babadook. the Babadook. Is, we were both lukewarm yeah. on it, but like. Yeah, but like if that movie had come out in like, 1985 i think people would have legitimately lost their minds and i I was even and funny that you mentioned star wars i was thinking about star wars too it's like people like being so hypercritical of like this new trilogy just the the animation that's available to us today the computer tricks the way that we make movies Mm -hmm. um the people that are in the movies how they look how they act like taylor you're not gonna you're not gonna convince me to get over the Okay. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> Whoa! Me. Spoiler. Um. Spoiler alert. I'll bleep that. No. Out. Um, everybody knows. Whatever. <laughs> spoiler. I will be bleeping that out. But anyway, I'm just saying, like, movies nowadays. I, I, we've become very spoiled. I think by how well movies are made. Um, that, like, movies that would have been made 15 years ago, just they don't wow us anymore. And I, one of my things is I've been trying to be more open-minded about films not that like i'm gonna defend a shitty film but like Mm -hmm. just try to appreciate the artistry of it more because it's incredibly hard to even make a movie Mm -hmm. um and so i I just think that because we have so much content now it's so easy to be critical um and i I see people again on the facebook group or (laughs) even just like even just like movie critics and they're so harsh on like movies that are like technically amazing, yeah. you know, and we just don't appreciate stuff like I think that it's, anymore. I, I, I think it's okay to be critical, but like appreciating films for what they are and like respecting other people's opinions is really yeah. like that's the stuff that frustrates me. Like, you know, 
when when someone like that's why the Facebook group that you show me all the time, which I am not a part of, it frustrates me so much. But if someone expresses how much they like a film, to then go in the comments and shit over that person, yeah, like, because they enjoy yeah. something, it's like, how about you just say, I didn't enjoy it for these reasons. However, I can see what you're saying with this, and I didn't consider that. Like, yeah, what's this? Or not? Very, or just don't say anything at all. Or don't or say, any, don't yeah, say anything. Also, you have the ability yeah. to like. Turn your phone off or shut down your yeah, computer. The, so yeah, put the phone down. Um. Anyway, well, yeah, that's why I think that we are definitely on the same page about a lot of like trends in the 2010s. And um, I would be very curious to hear uh what some of our horror fans, especially maybe some of our horror fans who are more into films from other decades, um, how what they what they think about this decade mm-hmm. compared to other decades. Oh, for sure. Maybe well, maybe what they see moving forward into the 2020s. Um, who knows what. Uh, what fresh hell we have ahead of us so um what i'm fresh looking forward to ho that. ho ho christmas again this isn't a christmas oh, yeah, episode, right. but okay yeah, yeah. we're just recording on um christmas. well before we get into our list and uh like last week we'll start with our honorable mentions um curtis i'm just curious like how did you make your list because we had so many films to consider um and yeah i'm just curious so how you Thankfully, this is something I thought about months ago. Um, I made my list about three months ago when I made my top 100 uh, films of all time list. And that was top 100 horror films of all time, let me clarify, um, uh, list. That was a long and arduous process of basically looking at every movie that had a, that had some sort of critical acclaim or that other people had included on their list from each decade of horror from the 1920s onward. So ultimately making this list was basically a function of looking at my top 100 list and I, I had 10 films from the 2010s and putting it on this list. Um, the same thing with the honorable mentions. I had more than 15 2010s films on my uh, top 100 horror films of all time list. Um, I reevaluated as I looked over it and I changed it uh, around very, very slightly. Um, but really... You know, if you're looking for criteria for how I rate my horror movies, like, it's a little bit different than how I rate my films from each year. Because each year, it's mostly a function of, like, what affected me the most, what scarred me the most, what scared me the most, that kind of thing. (laughs) This one, I am looking a little bit more on, like, what wowed me the most at the time. Like when Mm -hmm. I first watched it, because I have to put myself a little bit back in the past. Like, how did it affect me then? And how much do I like it now? Combining, like, if I had to give a weight, I'd Mm -hmm. say one third, how it affected me then. And, you know, two thirds, like how much I love it now and how much it affects me now. Because like, again, it's different than 2019 lists, you know, for example, because like, that is like, they're all relatively fresh in my mind. So this list is a little bit more difficult because like this one, I tried to like put myself, there's a few films on here where it's like, I saw this film in theaters and it just blew me away. And um, I wanted to give that some sort of credence. Yeah, I agree. I kind of started my list by sitting down and just literally writing down every single film I could remember from the 2010s. Um, And that got me like 20 movies just off the top of my mm-hmm. head like movies I remember enjoying um then I went through and I looked at other people's lists and I added a few to my list and then in actually creating the top 10 I I thought how did I feel when I first watched it like if if I had made a top 10 horror films 
list of that year would I have considered, you know, putting it on the list? Mm-hmm. And then also, like, have I wanted to revisit that film since watching it? And then, um, yeah, how I feel about it now. I would say, I guess I put a little less emphasis on how I feel about it now because, like, obviously, if I saw a film in 2011 and I haven't seen it since then because I haven't had the time to, that doesn't mean that it's less good than a film I saw last year that I liked about the same, Yeah, you know, at, you. but that is fresher in my, in my mind. I, hear I also, and I don't know if you did the same, we didn't talk about it, but I personally didn't put any films from 2019 on my list, both because we would have just talked about them last week and because I just can't assess for me personally how they would compare because not enough time has passed. Like I'm very high on the lighthouse right now. Um, but I can't really tell whether or not that'll be like a top 10 I, of the 2010s. Yeah, I tried my best to be objective, you know, subjective, objectively subjective about the 2019 films. Like, I really thought about it very hard. Like, how do I feel about this film and how do I feel about this film that I just watched? Because, yeah. I mean, all I can do is evaluate from like the... Per- We're getting very meta right now, very philosophical. <laughs> but all I can do is evaluate based on the person that I am right now. And I felt confident enough in uh, how I feel about these films and how I'll feel about them like a year from now um, that I did include, um, I won't say how many or if it's even one, but I, you know, I, I I consider 2019 films. I'll just say that. Yeah. Well, anyway, without further ado, uh, why don't we get into our honorable mentions? Um, Curtis, you can get started and then just maybe speak a little bit about, uh, how you forms your honorable honorable mentions list? Sure. So my honorable mentions are going to be presented unranked because it was hard enough coming up with the top ten and thinking through that. So uh, these are just five films that probably could have been in the number nine or ten uh, spot. I will say um, they're all films that I really like um, that I love. Even <laughs> I love these films, and I you know these are just movies that I could just sit down and watch anytime. Um, and uh, yeah, so let me get into it. So um, one honorable mention is The Canal, the Irish movie mm. by Ivan Kavanaugh about a, um, about a man who uh, is finds his wife um, cheating on him. And then the next morning she turns up dead, um, despite the fact he's, you know, he sees her cheating on uh, him and he walks home. And the next morning she's found dead in a river. Um, it's supernatural. A canal, if you will. A canal. That is actually the name of the film, incorrect. <laughs> um, it's a supernatural film. It's a film about grief and loss, but also about kind of spousal abuse, perhaps. Or, you know, I won't go too, too into it. The Irish, um, I know you really enjoyed Hole in the Ground. The Irish are making really great horror films the past few years. I believe this film, um, just like last week, or sorry, two weeks ago, I did not put the director down or any information down for these films so i'm going off the dome here i don't remember when exactly this film came out i believe 2014 if i'm not mistaken maybe Uh, 15 that seems about right yeah that's about right either way the irish are making great horror films right now this one is um the best of the bunch for my money um the uh next honorable mention is year next uh which is Mm. came out early in the decade in 2011 directed by adam wingard this is a great home invasion slash slasher film um i believe it's adam wingard's best film i know you mentioned the guest i still haven't seen that one but um i just thought this film was really fun but it, not too jokey you get 
some really serious violence and gore, but also like good social commentary, like good kills. The kills are good uh, in this film. Kills are good. Dropping the clip. Kills. Kills are good. Kills are good. I love. Thank. Thank you, Taylor. Um, I love that Barbara Crampton was in this film. I think it really re, uh, rejuvenated her uh, horror career. I don't think she was in many films before this. Um, like she had that period in the late 80s, early 90s, and then kind of fell off the map. So um, this kind of rejuvenated her career. Um, I just really, this film is so kinetic. So I, I find it genuinely scary at parts, really suspenseful. Uh, I just really, really like this film. Um, and I haven't seen it in a while, and I, it's almost I put it to the top of my queue after I was making this list. So, um, next one is Goodnight Mommy, uh, which a film is a mm. film that I know we are both very <laughs> fond of. Uh, yes. This is a great, great mystery. Some people claim they figured out the twist early on in the film. I was not one of these. Those people are liars. I was not so. one of these people. Um, I was genuinely like shocked by the twist. Um, this movie's very, very disturbing in many, many ways. It's very sad. Um, it's about it's a film about um, two twins who uh, whose mother comes home after facial reconstruction surgery and she's wearing like a invisible man style wrap around her head and they think they believe it's not the, actually their mother. Um, this movie is really chilling and again another one that's genuinely scary. I was I was like thinking about this film for days after the first time I watched it. It really really affected me. Um, the next film is Prometheus. Um, this might be a little bit of a surprise to people. I feel like this film is very poorly received by people who love the Alien franchise. I love the Alien franchise, and I thought this film is perhaps the second best Alien franchise film, even above. I love the original Alien the most, but I think I like this film more than even Aliens. Um, this film uh, is just a great kind of origin story for the Alien series. Um, there are parts in this that are so memorable and so shocking and so this film's so weird it's one of the darkest sci-fi movies you'll ever watch i don't know uh, to people I, I would love to hear the prometheus haters uh email us perhaps mm. and tell us tell me why they dislike this film because i think it's a perfect i know people it's kind of people had expectations about the origin of alien they wanted to be more mysterious they were upset by the fact that maybe this kind of explained that a little bit I loved that aspect of it. And I thought the explainer was still mysterious and dark enough. And um, I don't know. I just love this film. And I think it's genuinely scary as well. So I think it's a horror film, if that's even a question. Um, and then my final film on my honorable mention is the documentary The Nightmare, um, which mm, will yes. fuck you up big, big time. Uh, if you watch it, it's a... This movie deeply disturbing. It is <laughs> very disturbing. It is a documentary about um, people who experience sleep paralysis and they sort of um, create, like, they'll be describing their experiences and the film will kind of recreate what their experiences are based on what they're saying. Uh, the, the, the most chilling part of this film, and if you don't want to hear a spoiler, just move ahead 30 seconds, but the most chilling part of this film is the man that is describing how he got sleep paralysis by hearing someone talk about sleep paralysis. So the actual act of watching this film uh, is terrifying because of that, because you think, oh my God, I'm going to go to sleep tonight and... I know. It, That's why I haven't watched it yet. It is a genuinely dangerous movie uh, to yeah. a certain extent. Um, <laughs> but it is the, I mean, bar none, the scariest documentary I've ever watched uh, in a horror movie way, at least. I mean, you know, there are documentaries about Ted Bundy and shit. But um, yeah. anyway, uh, this is the, um, you know, probably the greatest horror movie, docu like 
documentary that could be a horror movie that I've ever seen. Uh, and it's really mm-hmm. just incredible. So that's my honorable mentions. Well, cool. You mentioned some good films on that list. Um, so I'm excited to see you jump into your top 10. Okay. Um, as for me, my uh, honorable mentions. Well, first of all, I want to address the elephant in the room, which is that um, my favorite horror film of all time. Um, the Witch came out in 2014, 2015. Wow, I'm bad. Um, wow. Are you sure it's your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I actually did not put that on my list just because I've already discussed it um, on the podcast. That is before. very controversial. Maybe you should repeat that for the listeners. All right. What? It is your favorite what? film of all time, but it won't be on your list. They should understand well, that. Like, basically, you're making a top 11. Yeah, I'm making a top 11 without the number one, basically. Um, and so um, so I just wanted to kind of get that out of the way. And then my honorable mentions are all films that would not ever be on my top 10, but which um, which were important to me in various ways, which I will explain sure. when I go through. Go for it. So the first honorable mention I want to get into is Unfriended oh, um, from yeah. 2015 by Fuck Me, Let Levin Gabriadzi? I don't think I've ever mm. tried to pronounce the director's name. Mm. Is it Luca Brazzi's uh, son? That's a deep cut from uh, The Godfather. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, I really liked this film. And this was the first time I um, there was a, an element of spite to liking this film because so many people <laughs> trashed it. I feel like you like, like a lot so- of films like that it's an element of this was this was this was this is like the uh epitome of that though because so many people dislike this film and uh, for no real reason that i could discern they were like oh it's so gimmicky it's shot on a laptop screen it's just what is this what um found footage is coming to and i was like what's your problem it looks cool mm-hmm. like it's fun it's interesting i thought this film was really gory and really like scary and it was kind of one of those the first films where i was like oh i don't have to like what everyone else likes and I don't have to dislike like what everyone else dislikes like this is one of those films where I was kind of forming my own opinions about horror films Mm -hmm. um and so that's kind of why I wanted to put it on my honorable mentions Um, my next honorable mention movie is what we do in the shadows from 2014 by Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi Mm -hmm. yep Waititi um this is a uh horror mockumentary um (laughs) This was like at the height of mockumentaries and this was the best one. Like this is a legitimately funny film. I remember the first time I saw it, I literally was like crying laughing. It's just such a such a ridiculous concept like that it's like it's basically three well four technically vampires <laughs> yes, who Don't forget Peter. Who Yeah, Peter. Um <laughs> Four vampires who rent a flat together and the film starts by them having a roommate meeting and it is like so hilarious and the the main vampire he's kind of like a dandy and oh fuck what's the name of that one vampire hold on I think I dragged it up before he's okay Deacon he's and so as they're having the um roommate meeting he's introducing the different vampires and he, when he gets to Deacon he's like Oh, Deacon, he's like the cool vampire, and like <laughs> that this, always this movie made is so funny. <laughs> it's like really funny, and it's really like I really like it because it. On the one hand, you can watch it and enjoy it, and like, and you don't have to be a horror fan. But on the other hand, there is certain nods to like. Obviously, they're all vampires from different types of vampiric lore. Um, like the main kind of guy is like an interview with the vampire vampire. There's like a, um, 
there's like a Dracula vampire. There's a Nosferatu vampire. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it kind of it kind of gets a heightened like heightened experience if you um, know horror films a little bit more. But mostly, it's just it's really it's funny. hilarious. I really enjoy it, totally. and I really like the TV show as well. Yes, um, I, I still need to catch the before. TV show, and maybe on my nine day break, I will. Yeah, you should. You really should because it again is like laugh out loud funny. Mm. So. Um, Really enjoyed that. Um, so my third honorable mention is "It Comes at Night" uh, from 2017. Oh, nice. Yeah, I didn't even think I this one didn't even cross my mind, but I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, Trey Edward Schultz. This is another film. This is the film I was thinking of when I had that comment that like we're very spoiled by horror films now, and people are just like looking for things to criticize. This movie, I feel like, did not. It didn't appear on hardly any top. Uh, you know, top lists of the 2010s that I saw. Um, and I know people online were like, it was a slow burn. It had a terrible ending. I was like, yes, it was a slow burn, but no, the ending, I was, the ending was perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, people in the, uh, <laughs> there, what? Okay. What? Let's say, I forget what movie was in theater at the same time, but let's say it was something like a really dumb movie. Like, okay, this movie wasn't dumb, but let's say like uh, Captain Pikachu or something like Detective that. Detective Pikachu, uh, excuse me, and that Detective- almost made my top three non-horror movies last two weeks ago, so Okay, Detective you. Pikachu. But like, let's think of a movie that is as far from It Comes at Night as possible. So apparently Tori, when she saw this movie, um, like as she was leaving, she was like, someone behind her was like, we should have just seen Detective Pikachu <laughs> or like a totally different... <laughs> but like people really... People like really, really hated. They this, viscer- this people movie. viscerally in the theater. I was in viscerally reacted negatively to this film. I, yeah, I, 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 I did not I, understand it. And I, so I didn't put it on my list because I was like, and I thought it was good. I legitimately yeah, it would have been a spite is, pick for sure. Yeah, this wasn't a spite pick. I legitimately think this is a good movie, and I put it on my list because I want people to revisit it with fresh eyes if they didn't like it at first. I think there's a lot to admire there, and I think. Um, I'm a huge fan of slow burn films. Um, and I can understand if people aren't, but like, I I think people were very turned off by like the slow burn nature of this film and just didn't give it a chance. And I I really, really like it. Mm -hmm. So, So um, wanted to put it on my honorable mentions. Um, and then the next one I have is the woman from 2011 Uh, by Lucky McKee. I still have never seen this one. I put this on my list because it was the movie that disturbed me the most of the decade. Um, we, me and Tori went over to our friend Claire's house and she was like, oh, let's just watch a movie. Let's just watch this movie called The Woman. And then like we watched it. And we were all like, I feel deeply disturbed right now. <laughs> and then Tori got like legitimately angry at Claire. She was like, why would you make us watch that? It's so, I mean, it's about, it's basically about this feral woman who's taken in by this family, but mostly like this domineering dad. And he tries to quote unquote civilize her. I, it literally... It gives me the creeps just thinking about it. It was so disturbing. Um, Do you know that so meme I, uh, where it's like, uh, "Are you uh, are you in a right headspace to receive this information?" Uh, meme. <laughs> that is how I feel about this yeah. film. Like, I'm not in the right headspace right now to watch this. I don't know if I, I ever will be. And this is someone who loves honest, mar- martyrs. Like, you have I'll to be, be honest in the right with mood. you. I saw it in 2014, and I have not rewatched it. I, but I still put it on my honor. I I can't watch it again. Yeah. It's so disturbing. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, anyway, and on that note, I want to end my last honorable mention um, is The Visit from 2015, oh, yeah. M. Night Shyamalan. Um, 
with this movie, I stood up in the uh, theater. I cheered. I was like, M. Night Shyamalan is back, baby, because he made like a bunch of stinkers. And then The Visit, it was so And then he made a bunch of stinkers good. afterward, unfortunately. Yeah, he made a bunch of stinkers afterwards. <laughs> but I still, I like, I still believe in him. I would still go see his films. And I think it's because of The Visit. I was like, I know he's capable totally. of making a good film. Um, I think it's just really scary. It was so, so, so fun. Um, M. Night Shyamalan making a found footage film is like everything that you want it to be. Mm-hmm. So um, I-, I would say if you've written off M. Night Shyamalan, but you haven't seen The Visit, like go I thought that watch visit it. was great. I watched it for the first yeah. time this year and I really, really enjoyed it. All right. Well, there's our honorable mentions. We're only 45 minutes in, so nice. we're doing really we're good, doing on, good time. on time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think last week you started uh, the top 10. So um, I think I will start this oh, week okay. to be fair. So top 10. <laughs> Which again is my top eleven without the number one because of the witch. Mm-hmm. Just, but I'm not going to keep on repeating that. I trust. I will the remind listeners the listeners will. throughout. Don't worry. I no, I, I trust that the listeners <laughs> will be able to follow what's going on. So okay, so my number ten is Happy Death Day, oh, 2017, wow. Christopher Landon. I do. I need to say it. Again. <laughs> I almost didn't put it on the list because I feel like every single episode I'm like, and then we have Happy Death Day, the every, best movie of all time. <laughs> everything that you, I, I see you on online, your name is Happy Death Day. So I don't really think <laughs> your love for this film needs to be explained. <laughs> I just like when I saw this movie in theaters, I was like, what a fucking fun time this was, you know, mm. like for so like we just talked about it, the 2010s. It was a time of like very serious movies, very highbrow, very, you know, artsy. And we love that. I love a highbrow movie. <laughs> yes, but every I love once in a to while... love a movie that is highbrow too because it makes me look smart. <laughs> yeah. But like Happy Death Day felt very 80s to me in that yeah. it was like, here's a kooky idea. Like, let's make it into a horror film. And yes. I just thought everything about it was charming. Like the main uh, character is so fun and cool. Like I like wanted to be her. I thought she was really mm-hmm. neat. Um I just really liked, I liked the storyline. I Normally, I don't love, like, tongue-in-cheek dialogue. Like, mm, look how sassy I'm being. But it really worked for this film. But it worked for, um, the actress pulled it off so yeah. well. I mean, she's perfect yeah. for this role. Yeah. And so, I, I just, again, like, if you haven't seen it, you absolutely must. Like, you will have such a fun time. Watch it with a group of friends, like... It's one of those horror films where it's like there's enough gore to satisfy, you know, the more serious horror fans, but it's just really, really fun. I think so this I, is like had to be on my top th- ten. This is like the inverse of the woman, but like with the same kind of message. You have to be in the right headspace to watch this film. Like if you're going in expecting like, you know, a serious highbrow horror film, you're not gonna get what this film is intending. If you're going in to have a good time to watch some good kills and watch some good death scene, watch a good story, this film has everything that you could want. And yeah. In a way, it's a in its own way, it's a perfect horror film to me. Along yeah. with that yeah. sequel as well. Yeah. Oh, we're big. We are big fans of Happy Death Day to you. I cannot wait pod. for Happy Death Day three. Me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, All right. But well, good, anyway. great choice, great choice. So my number ten is a similarly like fun, lighthearted, like great movie. This might be a little controversial. I might say that five or six more times on this podcast. You're you're like so edgy. I, I mean, how many like golds do you have on Reddit? I anyway? mean. I have bags upon bags of gold on Reddit. Um, I've never used Reddit before. But um, my number 10 is 2019's One Cut of the Dead. Um, I've watched Whoa. this film. I know. I told you it would be controversial. 
I've watched this film twice now this year. Um, once by myself on a plane where like the plane landed and I did not want to get off, even though it was my turn to get off because I was watching the credits of the film. And then once with Chanel where, you know, we watched the first like 20 minutes of the film and she was like on her phone. And then by the end she was like riveted and we talked about it for 15 minutes after this film is the most unique horror film maybe of the decade. What it's, it's one of the three to five most unique films made this whole decade, let alone horror films. I just was transfixed by this movie, and I totally loved it. I've never seen a movie where I felt like it was totally average the first 20 minutes, and by the end, I was like, this is incredible. That first 20 minutes was essential. I just, I was just blown mm-hmm. away by this film. And I think this might be controversial, not just because it's the most recent film on my list, but also because... It is not scary, but um, I think it's, you know, it's a horror comedy, basically. You know, like, horror comedies don't need to be scary. We all accept the fact that, like, Evil Dead 2 is part of the horror canon, even though it's not scary. It's just totally, just 100% funny. Um, But I just was in love with this film, and I'm still in love with this film. You know, if I make my best of the uh, decade list maybe a year from now... Um, I can, I, I thought about this. I can just envision this film still being on there, you know? Um, and again, what I tried to do was evaluate each of the films objectively, how I feel about them. Um, and you know, this ended up, I had a good night mommy in the number 10 spot for, you know, most of this year, uh, after I had made the list. Um, but this one edged it out just because of its charm. It's, uh, like heart. I just love this film. And, um, yeah. That's my number I, 10. I honestly, I guess I need to watch this again. You've convinced me. You should. You talked about it passionately two weeks in a row. Um, <laughs> yes. I feel I feel bad for not being as high on it as you are. So I, I, I think I should. I'm telling you, it. a yeah. rewatch of this film, I this is, this is, this in The Sixth Sense are two films that the rewatch makes you appreciate it that much more. Yeah. Like, so I yeah. would encourage you to rewatch. All right, so my number nine is The Sacrament, 2013 Ooh. by Ty West. Um, so we're a big fan of Ty West on this pod. This is a Ty West fan pod. Um, and I personally like the sacrament the most. Um, it's basically a, wow, another mockumentary. Mm. I'm very basic. Um, it's another mockumentary, um, basically about a group of guys who go to a Jim Jones style cult, um, that one of them is trying to find his sister who's in the cult. Um, and it's honestly pretty much the story of, of Jim Jones's like doomsday cult, um, and I just think it's very like, it's one of those films where when you, you're you were in you're in it and you kind of understand like how that cult was able to like do what it did, you know, like you're really kind of put in the shoes of like all of the people who were there, and it's very eerie, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there's a lot of moments when you're like, wow, these guys should really be leaving, and they're not. Um, and the way they kind of record all of the stuff that's happening in, in almost like kind of like a cold manner, mm-hmm. it's just really creepy, especially since you know what's going to happen. Yeah, you almost you know? know from the first moment. Like, you know from the fact that this is what the movie's about, that it's going to end poorly, and still yeah. everything that happens still manages to shock and disturb yeah. you. Yeah. Um. And and also to me, this felt very much like a 2010s movie. It's like mockumentaries are kind of one of the culminations of this found footage um, subgenre in horror, uh, which we are both fans of. Mm-hmm. Um. And it 
it just feels like a movie that was made in the 2010s, like in a good way. Uh, you know, it just feels like the thing that people wanted to watch at this time period. Um, it's very Thai West, you know, it, it's plunks you down into like a very specific location in time and like really commits yes. to that location in time. Um, and I just, yeah, I really like it. Uh, it's one of those films where if people are like, mm, I feel like I've seen every horror movie. What should I watch? I'm always like, have you seen The Sacrament? Because yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people would like it. I think mm-hmm. I think mockumentaries and found footage do turn people off. But this is this is one where I feel pretty confident that it has a pretty, a pretty wide audience. This is his most accessible film, too. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, The Innkeepers yeah. and House of the Devil are very slow burns. Uh, though I am bigger fans of those films than I am of the sacrament if you're going to recommend a Ty West film I would I mean I love House of the Devil I mean you know well House of of, the Devil is awesome it's one of my 10 favorite horror movies of all time uh yeah which you can see on my top 100 list on Letterboxd um but I (laughs) um I think this is his most accessible film it's also his most disturbing film for sure because there's so many of those elements of real life situations and can we um, just like quick plug? Where is Ty West? What is he Where's doing? Where's Ty? Is he gonna make? Is he gonna make another horror film? He like, made I'm a western a few years ago. I'm, we don't want to see that Ty. Ty we we want to see a horror, horror film. film. Thank you. his VHS. Um, I mean, this is five a Ty years Western. Ago. This. Did you hear me say Ty Western? That was bad. <laughs> anyway, um, that's a great pick. Um, my. <laughs> I'm moving on. on. Um, My number nine is the Korean film Train to Busan, directed by Yeon Sang-ho. Describe what I'm doing. uh, Taylor is praying, holding her hands in prayer above her head. I'm using using the, like, uh, raise the roof emoji hands. Raising the roof emoji hands. Um, Uh This film is, like, the distillation of everything that is great about Korean horror movies. Um, You have the traditional horror elements in the zombie you have the drama in the relationship between the characters in this film, specifically the um, the um, father-daughter uh, mechanic in this film. And then you have just like a, you know, a kind of redemption arc in this film. And um, I just, you know, I've said a lot in the recent weeks because I got this idea from, I believe, Josh on Horror Movie Podcast. But it really made me think when he said, like, when you combine horror with other like human emotions, you really get the best out of horror. And that sounds like a very basic idea, but like if you in this film, if you combine horror with like the love that these characters have for one another, it really elevates the horror because if you care about the characters like you do in this film, you don't want to see them harmed. And when they're put into these harmful situations in this film, even the minor characters you end up caring about, you know, the deaths in this film there are deaths in this film, spoiler alert, it is a zombie movie, <laughs> um, feels so powerful, even for characters that, again, are not our two main characters here. And the redemption arc of the father in this film, I thought was just really, really, really touching. Um, I want to give a sh- big shout out to South Korea. The past 10 years, they put out just classics. I mean, I want to give a shout out to The Wailing, too. I thought that film was just like an epic like horror film if there can be such a thing um but really it ended up going uh me for me train to busan was the best thing um that south korea put out horror wise this decade um i just thought it was really touching and it took this traditional horror um you know plot of 
or scenario of the zombie outbreak or the zombie invasion and made it like totally unique. And then that's not even mentioning the train aspect, which, oh, you know, we've never seen a zombie. Well, I've never seen a zombie film on a train except for Resident Evil Zero does take place on a train for like the first hour or two. So. The only other train um, horror adjacent film I can even think of is Snowpiercer. Yes, by a Korean, by a director. Korean director. And then there's also, there was a... Um, there was a slasher film with Jamie Lee Curtis that was set on a train to uh, Terror Train. It was called Terror Train, and it's set on New Year's Eve. Ooh, I'm, I'm seeing a I'm seeing a new theme for us. Yes, uh, trains, train horror, trains. <laughs> trains. Um, but Train to Busan. Um, you know, I know. I get the feeling that we never like we're always like expressing how much of a huge Korean horror film nerds we are and then when i talk to people like about horror films i never talk about korean horror films so i get the feeling that like people are not at least in that listen to this podcast that i speak with are not fully bought into the whole korean horror film thing because probably well, because of the length right i mean the all of them are over two hours long invest in it and you will be richly richly rewarded i couldn't agree more with you curtis Never a better segue has there been on this pod because my number eight is I Saw the Devil oh, from 2010 nice. by Kim Ji-Woon. Okay. <laughs> you, you Picture you. You're a longtime Ah Real Films listener. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, could Taylor talk about a long Korean horror drama again? Yes. Yes, she, she could can. because this is it. <laughs> this is it, you guys. I Saw the Devil, first of all. A sexier lead has never been seen in a horror film. So for all of my no fans comment. out there who are into men, let, let's just like all take a moment of appreciation. Um, also, this is this is like a Korean drama at its finest. There's like five different storylines. It's I think it might be like two and a half hours long. <laughs> uh, I mean, I agree. Like, I agree with you. Invest in it. Like, make make an event of it this is not just going to be like oh i have a, a spare hour and a half like what movie yes. can i watch like plan to sit down and watch i saw the devil i i promise it's worth it um it's basically again it's a revenge drama obviously um <laughs> it, it, all, about- all these korean films that we say always just include <laughs> slash drama because that's what yeah. it is <laughs> um you know, but speaking of what you were saying, yeah, what you were saying about Train to Busan, about horror films that incorporate other elements, I think that's why I like these Korean horror dramas so much because they don't feel just, they feel like an experience, they you do. know? They don't it feels feel like you're like watching like a full season film. of TV in one sitting yeah. almost. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so this film is basically about a guy whose um, pregnant wife gets murdered and he like sets out to find the killer. It's fucking bananas. Like it's, it's pro. I mean, next to Old Boy is probably one of the most bananas films. Uh, which coincidentally, obviously, also is Korean. also another Korean Perhaps, drama. Yeah. Um, I feel like I I don't even know where to begin with this film. I, you gotta watch it. It's one of those things where you you just watch it. And you're just like, what the fuck did I just watch? And I I just really 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 love this film. This is next to Old Boy, my favorite um uh like Korean revenge drama. Um which is a subcategory that I adore. So, so um, I have yeah. to confess. We're vibing right now. We are vibing. vibing. I have to confess yeah. that I did not take your advice uh, when I first watched this film and set out some time um, because I was like, okay, I'll th- throw this on before bed. I fell asleep uh, during this film. Not because so you, it was have boring. Have you seen the end? I have not. I need to go <gasps> back and watch this. Uh, oh, you Very, need to very the badly. End is- the end is the most bonkers part. I know. It's still on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, I okay, will. Yeah. I 
undoubtedly will be watching it during my nine day break. Uh, now that you've reminded me of it, the nine day break, the activities are really piling yes, up. Yes, the you. nine day break is the star of this uh, <laughs> podcast today. But I, you know, just overall, um, Korean horror films do not get their due in the horror community. I think I, you know, again, when I talk to people in real life, when I discuss horror online, I never see them discussed. Um, maybe Train to Busan is probably the most discussed Korean horror film recently. But um, again, invest the time, and you will be richly richly rewarded Um, richly rewarded especially with this one yeah so my number eight is a film that we watched together for the first time and we were both horrified by it do you remember oh do you know what i'm talking about okay uh this is the only one where i'll make you guess starry eyes no it is creep uh, do oh, you remember please. the experience of watching this film for the first time and just... I remember, I, when, you know when you read a book and you say, and you read, like, the characters locked eyes? Like, that's how I felt we looked at each other, like, when at the end of this movie. I, I've never glanced over at someone so fast in my life. <laughs> I looked over at you like, please protect me. Because I had to, it was nighttime at that time, and I had to go out to, like, a show or something. And I was like, please protect me. <laughs> this film is incredible. Um, so it's it is. So good. It is directed by Patrick Bryce and starring Mark Duplass and Patrick Bryce as the basically the only two, only two characters in the film. Mark Duplass has asked Patrick Bryce's character. Uh, Mark Duplass. Oh shit! What is his name? Um, Joseph. Oh, uh, right. Yes, Joseph. Yes, Joseph. he has asked um, Patrick Bryce's character. Oh, there is a. Th- that reminds me, there is a third character. There, you're I right. Hope you get to there, him. there is a third character, but it is mainly these two characters in the film. And he has asked um, Joseph has asked Patrick Bryce's character to videotape him because he has cancer and he wants to make a video for his son so he knows what his dad is like. We quickly Which find already, out, I'm like, Patrick Bryce, get the fuck get out, out of there. there. He meets him first. Uh, one of the first acts that he does is videotape him giving a monologue in a bath. And at that point, I was like, what the fuck is going on in this film? <laughs> I lost it at that part. Um, there, This film, as you can tell, it, you know, it, the what he is asking Patrick Bryce's character to do becomes very obvious. That is not what is going on here. This film breaks down very quickly, very strangely, and there are things in this film that I just will never, ever forget. The Also, unlike a Korean revenge drama, it's only an hour and 15 minutes yes, long. Yes, it's very brief. but And, there that, are, and that works to its favor. It really does, because if you give to yourself too much to think about in this film, it's <laughs> not as effective. Uh, let me just put it that way. But there are things in this film I will never forget. The abruptness of the scares and the suddenness of certain things that happens in this film are just so unique. Um, to me, this is the best found footage film of the decade. Um, I can't think of anything that nearly affected me as much. Um, I was mm. afraid to go to bed after watching this film because mm. of a character name. It's named. truly, it's, I would say this is truly like a, a scary, scary film. So yes. if you think that like, oh, films from the 2010s aren't scary like this one is terrible. this will this will shake you uh, especially the character of peach fuzz i'll just put that out okay. there you can beep that I was about out to say that's why i told you there's actually three characters <laughs> in this film don't but, forget um, about peach fuzz. I, taylor trust me i will never forget about peach fuzz um but this film is just great i mean it is yeah it is you amazing. know we're gonna talk i think broadly about two different types of films here more cerebral films and more like 
feeling films. There are certain films that scare me on a cerebral level where if you think about it too much, it scares you. And there are other films that just scare you on that very basic flight or flight. Uh, like just that kind of scare. Creep is the fight or flight. I wanted to run home after watching this film. So mm-hmm. creep. Yeah, well, as I said, uh, we're kind of vibing right now because <laughs> my um, number seven is also trained to Basan. Nice, um, I, nice. I did put it ahead of I Saw the Devil because of a few reasons. Um, not that they're similar films, but I put it a little bit like higher than you did. I, I like the most striking thing about this film, I think, is kind of its emotional resonance. Mm-hmm. You go on like a complete 180 journey with one character from the beginning to the end of this film. And the last, sh- one of the last shots of the films is like you looking into this character's eyes. And I've, that's like one of the most moving like moments I've ever seen in any movie. Um, this let alone movie a horror movie. legitimately brought me to tears the first time. I yeah, saw it. it was, so it was touching. very touching and, and, and it has really, really great um, horror elements. I particularly like the zombie apocalypse setting on a train mm-hmm. because first of all, you're obviously like in tight quarters and there's a lot of like, movement in this movie but only like in one direction and that kind of leads for a lot of really good but natural setups um and so i i just i mean you we kind of already discussed it so i won't go too much deeper into it but i i love this This movie um it's and it's it's probably the most uh like touching movie i think on my top 10 list i agree i agree this movie just has so much going for it like many of the korean dramas as we discussed and um you know this is one that i can just like it's like soul food, you know, like, yeah. it's just so good. It's it's really, I mean, it's really like an everything movie. Like, it's yes. a horror movie, but it's also a drama. It's a feel-good, like, touching movie. So, I, I mean, it's kind of a one-stop shop. Yeah. Totally, totally. And <laughs> so, um, we're vibing. I'm moving on. I don't know why I keep saying we're vibing. I don't know why <laughs> either of us are saying we're vibing. We're just going through our <laughs> lists. But um, my number seven is one that might surprise I I think... For the most part, you and I can both guess what's on each other's list. Probably. Yeah. Um, I think there's, there's... going to be some overlap, too, yeah. uh, for the listeners. We watch a lot of horror films together, so yeah, well, uh, sorry. just peek behind listeners, the curtain. Sorry for it, the okay? overlap. Um, okay, get over the it, listeners. listeners. To get over it. <laughs> um, yeah, they're flocking in. They're uh, running away in droves now that I've been mean to them. But um, yeah. my number seven might surprise you, though, Taylor. It is The Invitation, um, the film hey. directed by Karen Kusama. Starring Logan Marshall Green and Tammy Blanchard, um, we're both big Kusama heads on this podcast. <laughs> I know Jennifer's Body is one of your favorite horror films of all time. It's one of my favorite horror films of all time. So this is an uh, this is a film that we covered on episode number sixteen, uh, our cult films episode. Um, and you know, a lot of my thoughts about that film are there. Uh, there, this is just a very like crushing, effective, disturbing film in many, many different ways. You and I are both huge fans of the cult um, genre, I guess you could say. You know, the the effect that cults have on, like, human behavior is very, very fascinating and I think is a really good topic for horror films because, it, you know, horror films a lot of times talk about the nature of humanity, all that stuff. I'm not going to get too philosophical in this, but you can go listen to our episode on this film You're like, where I. What is life? What is friendship? I think I smoked. These are just a few things we can get into. I smoked a fat sack of uh, weed before that episode and got deep into those <laughs> topics on uh, back in that episode. 
But, you know, uh, I, I think it's fascinating that Karen Kusama made a film like Jennifer's Body that is so good, like, in that respect. And then turned around and made a film that's, like, so different in The Invitation. It really shows her craft. Is another director that I hope just continues to make horror films, makes more films. Where is Karen? Where is T- Ty? Like, where are Ty, come directors? back, Ty. <laughs> but If Karen and Ty made a film together, mm, now that would be bonkers. That would be crazy. I think I, that would they be would crazy. have to make a cult film. Though. Or an they anthology or something, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But um, anyway. this, is, this film's incredible. Uh, I won't you know, go into the plot or anything. Again, I'll pimp the other episode that we recorded. You can go <laughs> listen to that. Um, but I just love this film. I thought it was so just soul crushing. The ending was awesome. Uh, the horror aspect of this film was awesome. But most of all, the mystery of the film, figuring out like what it putting all the puzzle pieces together in this film is so much fun. And um, well, I don't know if fun's the right word because it is a very disturbing film in many, many aspects. But um, I just love this film. And I, you know, I think it's probably perhaps the best cult horror film uh, of all time. So how about about that? I love this film. (laughs) I think that's the only thing I can say about it. Well. Um, Okay. Well, let's let's move on. We're still vibing. We're not (laughs) You know, Uh, we just keep saying that. That's a good, uh, that's a good segue is just we're vibing because we can't think of anything else to say. Yeah, I mean, I I love the invitation. Um, uh, it was my pick for our um, cult episode, so clearly I'm a big fan. I recall. Um, uh, but moving on, my my number six is actually one uh, a film from your honorable mentions, and that's Your Next oh, um, nice. from 2011 by Adam Wingard. I don't know if I sound like a broken record, but I love this film. <laughs> well, you just keep uh, saying you is... uh, if it's on your list, you love it, Taylor. I know that. <laughs> I love this. Um, this is. I really liked this film. I saw this very... I think I saw this around the time it came out. Like, I remember seeing this for the first time very early into my, like, heavy uh, horror movie watching career. And the twist of this film... There's kind of, like, two twists. Yeah. The The main twist is the one that everyone knows of, which is, like, there's a home invasion. And then, like, the one girl there kind of, like, takes over and starts, like, kicking ass and taking names. Um that twist to me felt very like uh i guess the word i want to use is like feminist because the, it only works because people don't expect like a woman to be the one to start like fighting fighting back and like and kind of organizing everybody and um making a concerted effort to like uh get rid of the home invaders so that was just like really fun to me and the whole film, I love the tone of this film. It feels very, like, fun and serious at the same mm-hmm. time. There are definitely some, like, jokey elements, but, like, the events are treated very seriously. Um, and, yeah, I just really, I love everyone's role in this. I, I think it it really, when I was watching uh, Ready or Not, I think that Ready or Not owes a lot to your yes, next in totally. terms of, like, its, its tone as well as its subject matter. And then uh, the ending of your next, I think, is just totally again i love a ending that goes there and i feel like this is like one of the earliest films to be like you know what we have one more like crazy thing to put into this film this, um and so i yeah this I really film like that. i mean as you're describing it, it just the thing that comes to mind this film is like a roller coaster ride and i think your description saying it's both serious and lighthearted at the same time which obviously is like a total oxymoron but like there is 
you you it's a serious film. What's hap- They don't play it for laughs, but what's happening is like lighthearted, and especially upon mm-hmm. subsequent reviews of this film. So, as a female horror fan too, this movie felt like it was made for like female horror fans, you mm-hmm. know. And it, I I've talked before about how I don't love films that say like strong women have to act like men or strong women have to fight. Um, but that being said, like this film felt like it was made for women. And I really like, I appreciate that as someone who, um, started getting into horror, horror films, um, during this time period. And I just really like that aspect of it as well. Yeah. Great film. Um, so I guess that brings me to my number six then. Uh, I keep forgetting that I come after you. So I'm like, okay, number five now. (laughs) No, no, I'm on my number six. Uh, my number six (laughs) is a film that we're both huge fans of. Uh, starry eyes um this film is directed by kevin kolsch and dennis widmeyer um this is a film that we also covered on our episode new year new me last new year um and it is a film i mean you know we again we covered it on our podcast it's a film about uh, um the woman played by alex isoe um basically is trying to make it in hollywood and essentially sells her soul to make it in Hollywood. She sells her soul to the devil, people. Um, sort of, kind of, yes. <laughs> this is con- one that I think maybe would be described as slow burn, but it's one, it's a slow burn film where there's something always happening to push the plot, plot forward. I think it might be described as slow burn because of the horror aspects kind of being backloaded to the final half or final third of the film. But when the horror comes, it is truly, truly horrifying. And I love films that have especially in the past decade that have come into the horror genre where it's giving you, you you mentioned cam this film is giving you insight into a world that i never thought about before i don't think about how actors become actor actors or actresses become actresses this gives you insight into a world that is completely alien to like 99.9 percent of us and does it in a way that's really really compelling like tells you it's social commentary on an aspect of our world that we didn't think we needed social commentary on, but after the film, it seems seems like this, you know, it's essential. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? You know, I, I, it's just... I do see what you're saying. Well, I, you know, and I'll hop in, like, I feel like there's a lot of films that are made about, like, similar kinds of topics, and you can, you can have a fresh take on a topic, mm-hmm. you can have a fresh take on a perspective, but when a film comes along that is totally different in pretty much every way than what you've seen it kind of like makes you reevaluate like your assumptions about things or or even like it makes you wonder like huh i've truly never had that thought before i've truly never thought how do people make it in hollywood and and that's i had a similar reaction to this film i just think this film is totally unique in the horror genre now like i'd be naive to say there haven't been films about like actors and actresses before that's obvious you know once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out this year. I mean, it seems like there's a new type of film about that every year. And it borrowed a lot from Starry it Eyes. Obviously yeah. borrowed a lot from Starry <laughs> Eyes. But this film seems very, very singular. It's tone too. Like, it's such like, I don't want to say like empty because empty doesn't can quietly convey. It feels bleak. It's so bleak. It's such a bleak yeah. film. And even when our main character is in hat, like around her friends, it still feels bleak because her drive she's so singularly focused on what she's focused on she completely shuts out all the people in her life and even when she is around them she's being so like dismissive towards them and it's just bleak is the right word this might this is one of the darkest like 
saddest films um, that I watched in the whole decade. And I just loved its kind of like singular vision and singularness. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. it's my number six. That's an amazing choice. Uh, congratulations. Um, so that means that we are on to number five, the top five. <laughs> Top five horror movies of the 2010s. Nice. Um, So my number five has been one of my favorite horror films since I saw it in theaters. Um, I would say of my theater experiences of the 2010s, um, this is number two. Um, And that film is It Follows from 2015 Mm. by David Robert Mitchell. I believe we saw this together. We We saw it with like a group of people. Okay. I saw it also with um, another friend. And he was very into filmmaking, like, at the time. And I remember he turned to me after the movie, and his mouth was, like, such a perfect round O that I could, like, <laughs> it was just, like, it's so excited. This was, like, one of the, when I saw this in theaters, I was, like, what the fuck? Like, I, I really ha- had never seen a movie like it before, yes. you know? And it's not even the, it's not even that thing of where it, um, you know, people talked a lot about how the camera angles like went in 360 <laughs> degrees, you know, like spun around. But like the um, the feeling of this film, because it is purposefully not set in any kind of time period, it feels both 80s and very now. Um, so there's like very modern elements of the films, but then there's also very like 80s elements of the film, not least of all, because it's about a group of friends who are literally like constantly together, which is kind of like an more of an 80s trope, like a group of friends often cries, you know, um, <laughs> very Scooby Doo. But that, yeah, but then like the, the, the topic of the film, which is about basically like an STD, which takes the form of like a person following you around feels so modern i mean even five years later i I feel like if this film came out this year it would still be like oh this is very now you know um i just loved this film i loved the look of it i loved i loved the storyline i loved the direction there's nothing to not like about this film again uh people said it was a slow burn i i honestly couldn't disagree more i i think i think calling this movie a slow burn I, i think that comes from people who must have like zero. Yeah. You know, it's like, let a movie build up a little bit. You know what I mean? They're checking their phones like Um, a minute. I mean, there was literally something that happens in like the first three minutes in the film. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I mean, I think of all of the films on my list, this might even be like my top recommendation Mm -hmm. just because I feel like it is so, it is so of its time and yet also timeless. So I feel like really, really love. This I feel film. like the, what I'll say about this film is I feel like this is the first film that you and I watch where we're like, Oh, they're making good horror films now. Yeah, like yeah. we both love the descent. We both liked your next. Like I remember when you recommended that to me when it was first on Netflix, but this was one where I was like, Oh, films like this are in theaters. I'm going to be able to watch like a good horror film, yeah. like once or twice a in year. Theaters. And then it just yeah. became an avalanche after that. I think, I think that this was kind of the canary in the coal mine of like being in a horror Renaissance. Mm-hmm. I really associate this film with, Same. with our current like horror boom. So totally um, agree. I this opened really up the door for like, Robert Eggers and Ari Aster, I think, as yeah. well, in terms of like elevated. This horror. film walked so that Ari Aster couldn't run. Yes. Uh, two times in one year yes yeah <laughs> um so uh speaking of ari aster my number five is hereditary um i oh god yeah i won't i've talked ahead. about this film a lot i won't get into it uh it was my number one film of uh 2018 i talked about it at length there this film i mean it if not the 
if it's not at the top of the list, it's in the top three of films where I left the theaters just like deeply deeply depressed depressed and disturbed. (laughs) I mean, you know, uh, Tony Collette and Alex Wolf, and you know, we've been very critical of Alex Wolf on this podcast in subsequent watches. I think he actually, I, I think we were too harsh on him. He actually kind of I'm kills it. I'm still critical of Alex Wolf. He kind of kills it in this film, I think. His fake laughing kills most of this movie. His, or his fake crying kills most of this I movie. I think it's really, really effective, to be honest. But <laughs> I, I won't get into it. Again, I've talked to plenty about this film on the podcast. It deeply, deeply scarred my soul. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to put it. It's probably the scariest film I've ever seen in theaters for, uh, for reasons that I think Ari Aster created. Like, I wasn't... I wasn't viscerally scared by this film. I was deeply scared by this film. Like I felt like it was speaking to me and like assaulting me uh, in a spiritual. I, look, I'm, t- I'm getting too philosophical. I've had a few beers. Like this film deeply scarred me. Um, if that isn't a good recommendation, I don't know what is. Check out Hereditary, folks. I know you haven't. Folks- I know it's a very underground film. So check it out. I think the listeners uh, have heard enough of me hating on Hereditary, especially when I'm sure a lot of them like it. So I won't, I won't get into that anymore. But I'm, gl- I mean, I will say I'm glad that so many people do like it. Um, I think it's, I think it's great. I mean, we just talked about how there's no need to, you know, rain on someone's parade. So I'm glad that people really enjoyed this film, mm-hmm. and I can see why they enjoy it. So mm-hmm. let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> That was really pleasant, wasn't it? Yes, that was nice that's of me. great of you, Taylor. A film that you're lukewarm on and you don't shit on it. This is how horror discourse should go. All right. Well, uh, I, unfortunately, uh, we're gonna we're about to get into some overlap here because uh, my number four is actually Creep. Nice. Um, which, as you said, is from 2014 by Patrick. Maybe Patrick got married because when I looked it up, it said his last name was Cack Bryce. Maybe he hyphenated that that old last name what? there. So. That's yeah, strange. That's what Maybe it said on married. Google. Hey, who knows? Who knows? Good. You know what? Congratulations, Patrick. Patrick that's I'm very so happy progressive you. of you to add the female. <laughs> to change last your name. last name. Yes. I really I like that. I said female like I I'm mean... a Ferengi or something. <laughs> Woman's last name. I love when people online describe women as female. <laughs> oh, you can. Ooh, you always know they're thing. super progressive when they do that. <laughs> um, anyway, we are, we kind of already talked about creep. I didn't really have too much to add. Um, I, just except to reiterate that. The very last scene of this film is quite possibly the most shocking last scene mm-hmm. of any film from the 2010s. Um, it it deeply scared me. <laughs> yes. I I think about this film frequently, and I've seen it like three times now, and I still could turn off this recording and go watch it again. Like it's so 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 good, and I will say too. I have never ever seen anyone online who didn't like this film. Yeah. This seems to be like loved. a big crowd pleaser. And I just love it feels again it feels very 2010s. It feels like a film that could only have been made in the 2010s. It's like, do you remember that guy from the Mindy Project? Yeah, he's starring in this weird found footage film. <laughs> Where he plays like a total creep. Uh, yeah. No uh, but like yeah, he uh, I mean, and and I'll just add um I'm also a really big fan of Creep too. Um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't end sequel. up putting it on my list, um, but I really like uh, w- the direction they took with it. I think it's equally effective, um, and and they're both short enough that I think you could do a twofer and have a really fun night. So agreed. Yeah, you could. I mean, so, yeah. in the Creep, time it would take you to watch four. The Irishman, you could watch Creep one and two. So in the time it would take you to watch it, uh, 
I saw the devil, you could watch Creep 1, Creep 2, and then you could watch Creep 1 again. Probably. <laughs> probably yes, <laughs> probably. Um, no, that's a great pick. And like I said before, the, really the thing, when I when you say the word creep, images come to mind that I will just, I wish I could scrub from my fuzz. mind. And it's peach fuzz. And it's peach fuzz, always. It's mostly I, peach fuzz. <laughs> I, hate, and it's also, I hate that this movie also, put that in my um, brain. It's also uh, the main character. Um, oh, my God. Why do we keep on forgetting Joseph. his name? Joseph. It's also Joseph's just like blank smile <laughs> that really disturbs me. I can't look at Mark Duplass anymore. It I know. Really I is feel upsetting. bad for Mark Duplass. He's like uh, mostly. I've heard, oh, go ahead. I've heard he's a very nice guy. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Know? He has a very <laughs> kind face, but I'm never can look at it the same I'm deeply dis- disturbed by it. Yeah, I can't handle <laughs> well, it. Well, um, so... I know we won't have overlap on my number four because you've purposely omitted it from your list. And is The Witch uh, by Robert Eggers oh. and starring Anya Taylor-Jay. Joy, excuse me. Joy. Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, this film, again, we talked about it in our first ever episode where you discussed your favorite horror film of all time. And I discussed my two favorite horror films of all time. But That that bothers me to this day. Oh, I know. I, that he I, took, I took so much joy in doing that to you. <laughs> you don't even know. You didn't even tell me about it before. Yeah, exactly. Oh, really when annoying. I sprung that on you, it was so great. Um, <laughs> the Witch, I mean, there, I feel like we're getting to the point where we're talking about films that are so widely loved that it's really hard to say too much about them that people like i'm not going to reveal anything about this film's greatness that people who are listening that love horror don't already know but in case you're unfamiliar or you've been holding off on watching this film this film is basically a story about a family in the 17th century america that goes out into like gets um exiled from their community because they're too fervently religious Uh, so that'll give you an idea Mm -hmm. of the type of family it is um, and they kind of stake it out on their own, and they have a lot of weird experiences happening to them that make them believe there's maybe a witch at play. Um, this film, first off, is beautiful. I mean, you know, like The Lighthouse, which came out this year from Robert Eggers, it's, it's just, it, it, he, it's obvious how much of a talent he has for directing and staging scenarios, framing shots, all that, the technical aspects of this film are just, are unparalleled the sense of immersion into this world and into this time period is unmatched probably by any other or at least unmatched or has at the very least has not been surpassed by pretty much any other film you really can't do better i mean from the way they speak from the way that the sets are built uh from the costumes you just can't do better immersion than what this film gives you you feel like you are there when you're watching this film but then, like, the sheer horror of what is going on, and not horror in a way that we traditionally see in horror movies, but horror in a way that what is happening to our main character in this film, and what she is going through, and how much empathy you feel for her. The, you, you, there's just no f- other types of horror films than what is, like, being present- presented here. I mean, if you told me... I was before this film that I was going to sit down and watch something that is genuinely scary and genuinely moving that is set in the 16th century where they talk like they're people from the 16th century. I'd be like, no, I'm going to fall asleep. But somehow this film pulls it off anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's a real credit to the everybody involved in this film, how effective, how scary and how just enjoyable this film is to watch. Um, I will say this is the first time I'm going to be giving this caveat on my list. This won't be for everybody. Uh, And I, totally recognize that but it is for me and i Mm -hmm. love 
this film and love just everything about it and how much just how much craft and energy and how brave they were to make something like this that gets a wide release um and i just really really appreciate this film it is truly incomparable um and i i honestly appreciate it even more after seeing the lighthouse because i can see so like I feel like it must be very hard to make a film that is so complex and to pay attention to every little detail um, like they do in The Witch. And also, Robert Eggers is has such a skill for making movies that work on several different levels and several different readings. And I definitely appreciated that about The Lighthouse, but I, I appreciate it even more about The Witch. I mean, there's so many different things to consider with this film and they all are good stories with whatever um, viewpoint that you take Absolutely. towards the events of the that's, film. I mean, yeah. ultimately that's what I love so much about this film is just the rewatchability to like how much it makes you think. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost perfect to me. Yeah. So. Well, my number three, um, we're vibing is uh, starry eyes, <laughs> oh, nice. which we, just we are discussed. vibing for sure. Um, we are so vibing. So Starry Eyes is a good example of a film that has stuck with me. I think when I first saw Starry Eyes, I was like, this film is really good. But at the time, I was really pulling more for like It Follows. I had some other kind of favorites. But over time, um, Starry Eyes has kind of um, taken over those films just because it is way scarier to me. Um, This is kind of the scariest artsy film of the 2010s to me. Um, It's very bleak. And at the end of the film, you're left wondering, like, how the fuck did we get here? You mm-hmm. know, how did this character get to this place? Um, it just feels so shocking. And then there's a scene, and I know you know what scene I'm, <laughs> I'm speaking about, that that's why I said when when you asked me, you know, what film do you think I'm say- talking about that we saw together? I guess Starry Eyes. It's because of this scene. I remember like looking at you with total shock. Okay, and let me just give face. a spoiler alert. Move ahead 15 seconds. I know the button's on your phone. Just press the 15 seconds. I'm just going to say one spoiler. The hammer scene. Fuck <laughs> me. The hammer scene. <laughs> it, it, and again, I hate to say this so much. It deeply disturbed me. It was, it's one of those moments where I was like, I really wish I wasn't watching this with <laughs> yeah. Curtis right now. I feel so uncomfortable. Um, it just, it's, it's such a scary, scary film while also being like about something else, you know, it's about, um, you know, her trying to make it in Hollywood and, and it, it would work as a drama as well, but they have, they weave in those horror elements so well. Um, uh, for me on my list, this is the film that I would say is not for everyone just because it is so scary and so graphic. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I really love it. Starry Eyes, my number three of the decade nice man we're getting into the top three so um i i've said this this is another controversial pick for my number three and this might actually be very (laughs) like if die hard was your favorite christmas movie this is gonna be very controversial controversial. my choice for number three is unfriended no i'm just kidding (laughs) it's not that controversial i really thought it was i got so excited (laughs) no 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 no. um my number three is midsummer um and this is a film uh again directed by ari aster starring florence Pugh. uh I think the consensus so far in the horror community is that Hereditary is his his superior film. I totally understand that. Um, as I said, you know, I, I Aria, this was the top film of the two, 2019 for me. As I repeated multiple times, this film deeply, deeply affected me. Um, and 
I think, like I said, again, I'm going to repeat myself a few times, but he is making a different kind of horror film than we've ever seen before. I think The Witch, um, which I just just discussed, is kind of comparable where it's you are watching a film that affects you not viscerally, but cerebrally, where like the f- act of making you think about the film disturbs you more than what is maybe actually occurring on screen. Like thinking about what Florence, Pugh char- Florence Pugh's character goes through in this film deeply, deeply disturbs me because I see a lot of it in my own life. And same thing with Hereditary. You you relate to things in that film that occur in your own life. And that is where the horror comes from. And that, again, that's not something that any other films have ever done to me before. And Midsummer, and you meant, I was listening to our 2019 episode. I, well, I edited it. <laughs> um, so I was listening to it. <laughs> we take turns editing the episodes, folks, yes. just so everyone knows. Yes, I'm a, a master editor at this point, as you can tell from the episodes I edit. But you said something really interesting in our 2019 episode that Danny is, that Florence Pugh's character, Danny, is somebody that, you know, you could see it being your friend or, you know, who you relate a lot to. And that is why I felt, I think this film affected me even more than Hereditary's because I see so much of her, Danny, in like Chanel or some of my other friends or even in myself. I related so much to her and I empathize so much with her that I was deeply, deeply affected by what she goes <laughs> through in this film. And I just, again, you know, it's really hard for me to even compare this film and Hereditary to the other films on my list because it's a different type of horror. And I just think it really has to be seen to be believed. And, you know, anybody that has gone through any hardship in their life will relate to these movies. And I can tell when I go on Twitter, I can tell who has not gone through this hardship because they're like Midsummer. I thought it was kind of boring. Yes, we we get it. Your life is perfect. okay? but (laughs) my life is not perfect. So some of of us have difficulties and we related to this. Yeah, some of us have difficulties and don't have perfect lives. And we are all of us, I'm sure, are deeply affected by a film like this. And um, I just couldn't leave it off my list. Um, I was so affected by this film. I thought it was so, so good. I, I cannot fathom how this was made in less than a year. I, I don't want to know how that happened, frankly. Um, and I just couldn't leave it off my list because I was well, as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in my life. It was... And I felt this that when I watched the director's cut as well. I watched it, but I watched it mm-hmm. twice this year, and um, yeah, incredible, incredible film. I cannot wait to see what he makes next. Yeah, um, I, I obviously also really loved this film, and I've been holding out on buying it until the director's cut mm-hmm. is available um, on Blu-ray. Uh, and but I can't wait to watch it again, uh, even though watching it was a very emotional experience. <laughs> it's very for taxing me because again, I was. Deeply disturbed. <laughs> I think that should be the tagline of the podcast. I was deeply we are traumatized. The by podcast this film. that is deeply disturbed by films. <laughs> I I I have to agree with you though. Even though I am not a Hereditary fan, I can't think of films that are comparable to Hereditary and Midsummer. They feel very singular. They do um, for sure. While feeling similar to each other, but like I can't think of another film that I could compare to. Nobody, nobody it's, has personal anguish like Ari Aster. We can say that. Yeah, he he I, get some therapy. I truly buddy. hope he has someone to talk yes, to. Yes, get yeah. some therapy. <laughs> get some therapy, Ari. Um, well, that means that we are on our uh, top two. I'm feeling top two. I'm feeling good. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm feeling good, even though we are just repeating each other's films. At I'm this sure point. we have a, um, we have overlap in the top two. I'm almost positive of it. <laughs> 
I am too because my number two is The Invitation. Nice. <laughs> by, <laughs> by Karin Kusama. Um, I, as we all know, ride hard for Jennifer's body. And I think what makes The Invitation so special to me is, as you said, it is so different from Jennifer's body. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that Karin Kusama... They don't even feel like they're from the same director, no, not to be at honest all. with they you. They feel like totally like, different directors. Yeah, like when you see a Ty West film, you're like, that's clearly Ty West. When you see like an Ari Aster film now, you're like, that's clearly... Karin Kusama is just like, I have lots of ideas up mm-hmm. these sleeves, you know? She. It seems and, like she considers anything, anything that comes across yeah. her desk. Yeah, and but this, this film, it's a very emotional film to me. It feels very like intimate. Um, I could honestly see this film with a different topic seeming like a romance or like a breakup mm-hmm. kind of film. Um, it, it definitely plays that way at times. Um, and I, similar to Josh on horror movie podcast, I just love when films like go there. I yes. love when films are like, oh, you, you know, we're teasing this thing and we're making you think that this thing might happen. And then the twist is going to be that it doesn't happen. I love films where the twist is that it does happen. Yeah. Um, and, and so this is one of those films to me. And again, this is a theme with my top 10 of the 2010s. The ending of this film um, really took my breath away. The implications of the ending made me feel deeply uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> they, it makes you might not um, want to go to sleep at night or something. Yeah. But I would say um, in my top 10, I think this is probably like the saddest film mm-hmm. because um, the main like female character, it, the trauma she's dealing with and the way that she's decided to deal with that trauma are like very upsetting and you really you feel bad for her even as she is like making terrible decisions she's nominally the villain which is the incredible part yeah yeah and um and and i guess if i could if i could sense any connection you know between the two karn kusama films that i love which is is that there's a female villain that you root for or that you're on the side of Mm -hmm. um and so again, Karen, where are you? Where's are you Karen? New films? Where's Karen? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I think I feel like she got kind of blacklisted after Jennifer's Body, which is a huge shame. And then she made the invitation. I was like, oh, maybe she's coming back. And I don't know if she's made anything recently. Maybe I'll have to look. Check into out the it. Wikipedia. So, yeah. I'll check out the old Wikipedia for Karen. Um, <laughs> see what's going on with her. But yeah, the invitation is uh, again another slow burn film. Um, but if you don't like slow burn films, I really question. Um, I ask you to question like why that is. I question and your judgment. And way... I think you should unsubscribe. You won't. <laughs> no, like I'm us. just saying. Like, um, this is this is my favorite slow burn film, and I definitely think it's worth the wait. So totally, totally. Well, yeah. I don't have anything to add because obviously I spilled my guts on this film uh, just a few you minutes ago. The beans. So, yeah. um, I do want to preface my top two with um the fact that it was very it, strangely hard to decide on my number one. I had two films that I knew were my two favorites, but it was hard for me to decide number one. I'll just put it that way. But I, I fell down the way I did, and I'll explain that. But my number two is Get Out. Um, is directed by Jordan Peele, starring Daniel Kaluuya and Allison Williams. Allison Williams looks a lot like Taylor, if anybody wants a good idea for what Taylor... She does not look she like me, folks. a lot like Taylor. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> no, she doesn't. But, um, what, I mean, what, what to even say about this film? You know, Jordan Peele... When I heard he was going to direct horror movies, I was obviously very pleased. I had no idea he would come out with something that would completely be groundbreaking and be unlike anything we've ever seen in the horror genre. 
Get Out mixes comedy and horror and social commentary perfectly. I mean, what would you even classify this film as is is a great question. It has a depth. A documentary, apparently. A documentary as well, yes. It wears its influences on its sleeve while still feeling like a totally original film. I mean, you know, I think everybody who is even a tiny fan of the horror genre has seen this film. So I really don't, I don't, won't describe the plot or anything like that. But, you know, the way it's in your face, but also like, metaphorical about its themes I thought is so brilliant I feel like this is kind of what he was hoping to pull off with us but as we discussed we're very confused about the themes of us I think it's kind of lightning in a bottle type thing that he got with get out and to no fault of his own is you know I just what he did with get out is just brilliant like the themes I watched it with our mom and dad and they knew exactly what the film was talking about it and they were totally empathetic towards what the film was describing without it having to be totally spelled out so it's a film that whose themes are totally obvious but not like they're not not like the characters are talking about it or anything i just think that's such mm-hmm. a hard difficult thing to pull off i mean he's been writing this film he was writing this film for 10 years he said i mean it's it clearly shows he put so much love and care into this film um and that's just not even getting into the aspects of direction which he's great at the horror aspects great the acting great daniel kaluuya especially is just like a revelation in this film like i don't know i mean i you know I could talk about this film for days upon days. I mean, it's so brilliant. It's so affecting. It's so scary in multiple, multiple different ways. I can't even imagine what this film what felt like watching for people of color, like what their feelings are about it. I would, if, if any of our listeners want, um, you know, want to comment about what they thought when they first watched this film, like their feelings about it, we'd love to hear it. But, um, you know, this is really a work of art. It's a, just a tra- I mean, Shape of Water was good. It is a travesty that Get Out did not win the Oscar that year. I'm sorry, Guillermo del Toro. I know you're listening. I love Shape of Water. I love you. <laughs> you're a great director, but man, I love fish sex. Like we love, love it. it, but Get Out, on. Get Out was such a singular artistic achievement that we, the likes of which we will never see again. Frankly, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's just fantastic. Um, couldn't agree more. Um, I, I know what you're probably about to, to say. No surprise, probably to no surprise of anyone, it's my top, uh, my number one of <laughs> sorry the 2010s. For, sorry, I didn't realize it was going to be your number one. I'm sorry to... <laughs> no, that's okay. There's a few things that you mentioned that I can build off of, and there's a few things you didn't really get into that I want to get off, get into. Obviously, the themes, the social commentary of this film is extremely strong. Um, I want to mention that I saw this film in a packed theater um and people were talking during the film a little bit i started to get annoyed but you know (laughs) just like like, shut up i'm trying to watch it but i will say it really was all worth it um in the last 20 minutes of this film the energy of the theater was truly indescribable this was my number one theater experience i mentioned um that uh, It Follows was my number two. Get Out was my number one. People were gasping. They were cheering. Um, they were yelling the at the screen that in mind. Uh, you yeah. know, I was with you. It was crazy. I mean, you know. When the, when, like, when the twist with Allison Williams comes, people were literally like, you bitch. <laughs> like, they were, like, yelling at her. It was crazy. And the I twist mean, it was with so, the friend, so too, was so good. Yeah. The friend in the cop car. I yeah. was just like, oh, my 
Yes, the friend in the cop car. It was like a joyful, fun experience that I I just don't feel like we get a lot in like modern movie watching because you can watch movies at home so often now or they go straight to straight to video. So, you know, the anticipation of watching this film and then going to get to watch it with like a Friday night crowd. Again, I think you described it well as like lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. I mean, that really added to my enjoyment of the film. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned directing. There's so many moments that I remember from this film. Obviously, Daniel Kaluuya and his like single tear, um, the maid and like the close up on her face as she delivers the monologue. Uh, the groundskeeper as he runs oh, towards the camera. People were losing their mind. Speaking of theater, <laughs> yeah. people were like, oh my God, what is he doing? I was like, what is yeah, going like, on here? Uh, Lakeith uh, Stanfield, I think his name mm-hmm. is. Um is one of the better, like, smaller actors of this film. And then, of course, uh, my twin, Allison Williams. I mean, <laughs> she is a, just a total psychopath in this film. And it's so fun. Like, I feel like the word I associate most with this film is, like, exhilarating. Everything about it is top-notch. And everything about it feels so special that I truly never think that I'll see another film like this. Um and then I'll also mention that uh, I saw this film. Uh, I, wa- I rewatched it with my boyfriend, Justin, about a week before he came home with me for the first time for Thanksgiving oh, to no. meet my parents. And I Bad deeply moves. regretted uh, that decision. He Afterwards, he said, is your mom going to hypnotize me? I said, <laughs> I don't think you have to. I don't think she's, she doesn't drink tea, so I don't think we have to worry about it. But, I mean, it was just like, again, I have so many, like, fond memories intertwined with this film that it's hard for me to separate even the film from the experience of watching this film as many times as I've watched it. Mm-hmm. I, I just love it. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really up there. I mean, top five favorite horror films of all time. I so. think it is the most really for our decade, for the decade we're discussing It's the most, I mean, it's the em- most emblematic horror film of the decade. Like this yeah. is what horror yeah. gave us this decade. Um, but, and it was Liddy. Uh, so my number one is what I believe to be the most pure horror film that came out of the decade. It is It Follows. Um, I struggled. Oh. What do you mean? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I am so stupid. Of course, I realize it hasn't been yes, on your top ten yet, and of course it would be. So um, okay. So I really struggled with the Get Out It Follows dichotomy. Um, not dichotomy. Well, the, the choice. Truly the debate. I just started trying to the say. The debate big. of the decade. <laughs> yes. It was the debate of the decade for me. Um, I struggled a lot with this choice. And it really. I get so in my head sometimes. And I, ultimately, it's just a stupid list. And, you know, we have 100 listeners who are going to listen to it, maybe. You know, like, it's not that. Tens of listeners are waiting yes, to hear what It's the not that big is. of a deal. However, when I I like to take my list very seriously because I think, you know, I love talking about lists, debating best horror films, all that kind of shit. I love discussing that with people. And ultimately what it came down to was what is the reason I watch horror films? And the reason I watch horror films, when it comes down to it, is to be scared. Like confronting things that scare me and doing it in a way that's fun and uh, exhilarating. And this... It Follows is one of, you know, when I th- think of It Follows, I think of also of films like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Halloween, just films that are just pure horror. And thing like It Follows does have social commentary in it. You mentioned the STD aspect of it. But 
at its core, this is a film that's like designed to scare you. And there are so many moments in this film, you know, you think of what's occurring in this film. There, the moments where there, um, there are these humanoid creatures walking towards her and you see it in the background and it comes closer and closer and closer. And that, it to, that to me is just like, again, pure horror. And, um, you know, all the technical aspects of this film is not just there to look good. It adds to the horror to, to it's in service of scaring you. And, you know, seeing this film in the theaters, I spent my, the whole time just with my hands over my eyes and my, eye, you know, <laughs> opening up my, you know, it was so scary yeah. when I watched it. It was very scary. And, you know, I yeah. think like this film is like epitomize, epitomizes why I love horror so much. You know, it does scary in a, thoughtful fun effective way i thought about it if there's one film from the decade that i would just want to watch over and over and over again it would be it follows and ultimately that's why it's my number one i just Mm -hmm. it is a pure awesome horror movie so yeah and i would agree if we are saying all other things being equal like what is the scarier film what is the more like horror driven film I would agree with you that it follows is definitely I, and, like, you know, scarier and more horror driven I would think than a lot of the films that we I discussed. would think you know someone who is not white like I am if they were given the choice what is scarier get out or it follows I'm positive that other people think that get out yeah. but you know this is my you know I am trying to determine yeah. what is like ultimately what scared me more and to me Mm -hmm. get out was the film where i thought this is like brilliant like Mm -hmm. more so than i thought it was scary personally to me because i haven't gone through those experiences that's not like i'm even shortchanging it even saying that because i can empathize with those experiences but in terms of like pure horror like a film Mm -hmm. like kind of the escapism aspect of horror where you watch this film to be scared and to like visit a different world for an hour and a Mm -hmm. half that's why it follows one out for me um yeah i just love love that film i love it follows i love it it follows i (laughs) again folks i can't stress this enough I love these films. <laughs> oh, I love all ten. All right. of, I love all fifteen of these films that I discussed. So yeah, I it was very, very, very hard for me to make a top ten list, and I knew we were going to overlap. We have similar tastes in horror films. Um, but I we should have gotten Bill Shetty on this podcast because I bet he would have a different. Yeah, top Bill 10. Shetty would have been like, "Where's Where's Puppet Master? The Littlest Right." <laughs> <laughs> but i mean that's kind of just i mean obviously we grew up in similar circumstances and we've watched a lot of horror films together so it makes sense that we would have um similar likes but hopefully it was interesting for the listeners to hear why we like these films um i love talking about these films this is not the first nor the last time we will discuss these films with each other so um i'm glad i mean a lot of these films have appeared on past episodes um so if you'd like to go check out our episode on cult horror films or new year new me um you can hear more in-depth uh discussion of these films also our found footage episode which was number three and our very first episode uh favorite films where we discuss the witch um so obviously we've loved these movies uh for a long time and it was nice to kind of just sit down and just discuss why we liked them as opposed to how they fit the theme so absolutely um, i appreciate that 
And if you want to discuss your favorite films of the 2010s, we would love to hear it. You can email us at ahhrealfilms at gmail.com. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram, where we, where we are meme famous now. Oh, yes. Films. Well, we were already meme um, famous because of my Peppers tweet, Taylor. Don't forget about that. That was on your personal Twitter. So <laughs> if you want to follow our uh, podcast Twitter, it is A-H-H-R-E-E-L Films. Um, and you can always find us there. Engage, reach out. Let us know what your favorite films of the 2010s are. Let us know if we have terrible taste in films. Mm-hmm. Let us know if you're tired of hearing us just discuss the same films over and over. <laughs> we can't help it. Um, okay, come on. <laughs> um, we do have some really fun topics uh, looking forward to 2020. Um, so hopefully you guys stick around to hear those. And just want to say thank you to all the listeners for a great 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a fun way to wrap up the year. And in fact, the decade for us as horror fans. And I'm really looking forward to see what the trends of 20, the 2020s are. I feel like we're going to get a lot of apocalyptic horror yes. films. I don't know why. I was just going to say, well, because um, of the global warming. I, I, I very heavily yes. anticipate that. Uh, global warming, um, the end of modern civilization, just like fun topics. Yeah, I think, lighthearted. Um, yeah, it will start to address in the 2020s. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, just want to say thank you to the listeners. Thanks for listening, and uh, bye bye, folks. Bye, folks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>